Tegan. Really glad to get to talk with you. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Doing fine. I've been out of town this week, as you know, daughter's graduation. Just wanted to check in. I've kind of been out of the loop. Anything happened or pretty quiet week this week? It seems to be kind of similar to most weeks. I mean, the former president of the United States was indicted again. I think he's now got 70 plus charges against him. But, you know, you knew about half of those. That's funny. I did see a headline, something about that at some point in passing. I assume that was pretty big news this week. It is all the news this week. It is the political news. And this election that is coming up next year is going to be all about Donald Trump one way or another. So let's start with the polls. What do the American people think? American people are pretty much the same. I think the question is, what do Republican voters think? And those polls say that Donald Trump is at least maintaining his lead in the Republican primary. He's ahead of Ron DeSantis by about 30, 35 points. And there's been several polls that show Trump actually expanding his lead this week. So it seems like Republican voters don't mind indictments in their candidates. Obviously, the whole strategy, and I've seen a few pieces on this, you've posted a couple of them in Political Wire. We've seen this before from Trump in particular. When he goes on the attack, it is a slash and burn campaign. Fair to say that this promises to be the mother of all slash and burn campaigns? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not only is this all about Trump, all about how unfairly he's been treated. It's more than that, though, this time. It's not just about how unfair this treatment is of Trump. It's Trump saying that literally picking up on his line from a few months ago, that he is seeking retribution. He has now said, right after he was arraigned in the Miami courthouse, he has promised to his voters that he is going to go after Joe Biden and Joe Biden's family if he is reelected as president of the United States. So that's a big deal, Chris. To that point, I also saw this week that apparently Joe Biden took a $5 million bribe from Ukraine. What's up with that? <laughs> so Chuck Grassley has actually said that there is a credible source that Biden allegedly took a bribe. <laughs> so he's kind of couched that all over the place. I mean, Republicans from the House Oversight Committee to several senators are trying to do anything they can to tar Joe Biden. But this credible source of the Republicans doesn't seem to be so credible at this point, certainly hasn't come forward. And, you know, the House Oversight Committee is kind of flailing trying to go after Biden. But obviously, this latest legal troubles for Trump, the new indictments only increased the attempt by Republicans to try to discredit Biden in any way that they can. So whether that's Hunter Biden's laptop or whether that's crazy ideas that Joe Biden has taken millions of dollars in bribes from foreign powers, all of these things they're throwing at the wall, they're hoping they stick. They are dominating coverage on Fox News and on other conservative outlets. So perhaps that's really the ultimate goal. And it's worth saying that when we talk about the polling numbers, you know, that is probably why Donald Trump is keeping his support levels high and potentially even increasing them because this political strategy of his really works. Go after Biden hard, say it's all political, get your base all riled up. I know it's ridiculously naive to get worried about divisiveness and where things are going to go. Could things get worse? And could the country become more divided? Because at this point, nothing should surprise us. We should expect just about anything. With that wind up, however, there was a lot of coverage. I saw a number of headlines along this tack, and I don't disagree. This is pretty worrying stuff. This is a death match. This is a cage match. No holds barred, bare knuckle. 
perhaps to borrow a phrase that I think one might hear from one of the candidates who we're talking about right now, the worst we've ever seen. Am I worrying too much? Have I kind of been a little too out of the loop seeing headlines and getting myself worked up? And what I mean by the worst I've ever seen is that this is going to be one side or the other. There is not going to be middle ground. The attacks are going to be so extreme that the divide just runs the risk of increasing. Am I getting myself a little too worked up? No, I think the 2024 presidential race is all about Donald Trump, as I said at the top. And the reason for that is that Donald Trump is making that about him. So if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, this will all be about Donald Trump's freedom. From the Republican side, from Trump's base, they're going to try to do anything they can to get him elected so that he can make these charges go away. On the Democratic side, there's a lot of people who are going to be whipped up into voting because they want to put Trump in prison. That's fairly interesting. Now, obviously, Donald Trump has not won the Republican nomination, and there is a scenario where he doesn't win the Republican nomination or that he backs out or that the legal problems become too high for him to wage an effective campaign. Nonetheless, it looks like Republican candidates are making the pardoning of Donald Trump a big issue in this campaign. So we saw this week that Vivek Ramaswamy has come out with a pledge saying he wants all of his fellow primary rivals to sign a pledge saying that they would pardon Donald Trump. Nikki Haley said she was inclined to pardon Trump. Mike Pence danced around the issue and was criticized on a conservative radio show the other day. And most of the other candidates haven't really weighed in at this point on whether they're going to pardon Trump. I think Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie indicated that they would not, and they certainly would not vote for Donald Trump if he were convicted before the election. If you're a Republican candidate right now, you're running for House, you're running for Senate, or maybe you're just thinking of getting in this race and trying to run for office right now, you have to realize that Donald Trump is at the top of the ticket and this entire race will be about Donald Trump. And if you're one of these presidential candidates running, trying to get the nomination in 2024, it's going to be very hard to get any air because Donald Trump is sucking up all of the oxygen right now. This is all about him. We've got potentially other criminal charges to be filed in the January 6th case. There's even a theory that maybe there may be more in the classified documents case that could be filed in New Jersey or in Washington, D.C. And don't forget, around August, in the August timeframe, we're expecting more charges in Georgia from the Fulton County District Attorney. So Donald Trump's political problems may just drown out everything else over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. I know that we will see the answer to my question over the next weeks or months, but how do you simultaneously differentiate, separate yourself from Donald Trump if you're Nikki Haley or Fivik or Pence? Let's say that Pence goes down the pardon route. I don't know that he will. And I did see where he said it's way too early and I can't commit to that. But thinking primarily of Nikki Haley here separate yourself from Donald Trump, which she has been trying to do while simultaneously saying, oh, but I would pardon him. I mean, if you're going to pardon him, he is the front runner. You're basically saying he's fine. I think he is above the law, or I think that this would be so bad for the country. Can you really separate yourself from him or distinguish yourself from him? I mean, if that's how you feel, why wouldn't you just go ahead and vote for the real thing if you're a Republican? You make a great point, Chris. Nikki Haley is trying to take some middle ground, which she's tying herself up in knots trying to do so. And I don't think that it's going to really take her very far. 
Perhaps she's just trying to keep herself viable in the instance that somehow Trump drops out of the race. But I think there will be more pure Trump candidates in that event that will soak up much of his support. You know, that seems to be Ron DeSantis' strategy, which is continue to do everything you can to attract Trump's base in the event that somehow Trump drops out of this race. The only real candidate, and he is a real candidate, is Chris Christie, who if you saw the CNN town hall meeting earlier this week with Chris Christie, he is a pretty impressive politician. You know, it reminds you back in 2012 when he decided to skip the presidential race. He didn't think that he was ready for a presidential race. Mitt Romney ended up winning the Republican nomination. But Chris Christie in 2012 would have been a very formidable candidate. What's interesting, though, is in the dozen years since, the Republican Party has changed under Chris Christie's feet dramatically. And so of the 10, 11, 12 candidates that we have in this Republican presidential race right now, he has by far the lowest approval ratings, the lowest favorability ratings among those candidates. And a lot of this is because he's talking trash about Donald Trump. But at the same time, he's the only one who's actually running against Trump, running to beat Trump right now. So is he a good candidate for president? Or is he a good politician who is very much on the attack? He is defining himself in the way you just described as going directly after Donald Trump. And I have an armchair psychiatrist theory on this because I I did see a great portion of the Chris Christie town hall, the CNN town hall. One of the things that he said, it was about opioids and drug use. He answered a question with something along the lines of, who among us hasn't made mistakes? And I think he tied it even, there was a question about his Catholic faith. I think that's where he tied it all in. And the belief, I don't know if redemption was the word that he used, maybe it was forgiveness. He was saying this and he was answering the question. It was about Catholic faith and it was about opioids he turned it to. Taken, I heard him talking about himself. I really found myself wondering, is this campaign for him about forgiveness and about redemption? And does he recognize that he played a not insignificant role in affirming Donald Trump? I mean, who among us can't remember that scene after Christie bowed out in 2016 and stood behind Donald Trump? I think it was like over his right shoulder. And there was that look on his face and the way he spoke. We all remember what that was like. And I wonder if he hasn't really spent some time thinking about his own role in what has occurred since then. And if this isn't his own redemption run. I mean, if Trump is running for redemption, Christie might be in this right now for some self-redemption as well. I do not have my psychology PhD, but what do you think of the theory? Yeah, I think it's a good theory, Chris. I think that there is probably something like that going around in Christie's mind. I think he does feel like he has helped legitimize Trump over the last five or six years. And, you know, and he's realized that actually Trump is a bad guy. He's done bad things. Christie was a former U.S. attorney who, by the way, helped put Jared Kushner's father in prison. And he now sees the guy that he supported, you know, in deep legal trouble. And as a former U.S. attorney, I think if he saw this case during his time as a prosecutor, he'd know that it was a slam dunk case as well and that, you know, he feels some guilt towards that. The problem for Christie, as good a politician as he is and as good as he is at differentiating himself, the Republican Party is very different. I mean, two thirds of the Republican Party today say that they would still vote for Donald Trump even if he were convicted of a felony. 
That's an extraordinary number. So Chris Christie can differentiate himself all he wants. I'm not sure there's enough voters there for him to win the nomination. Well, that's why I say I I don't think he's a good candidate. Funny how nobody talks about the George Washington Bridge incident anymore. I mean, that was pretty reprehensible. Nobody even talks about that. So, you know, time for some traffic problems, Chris. Yeah, yeah, time for some traffic problems. We might have the title for this piece, but I think he is on the attack. All of that said, you raised it a bit a moment ago. His polling numbers are garbage. And look at everyone else in the Republican Party on the polling numbers outside of DeSantis, who has not moved. Everyone is like 4%, 4%, 3%, 1%, none percent. They can't even see Trump and they kind of can see DeSantis. It was 2016. Each week, it seemed that another Republican candidate was going to be the one to put away Donald Trump. But each person lasted for like a week or two weeks and then went away. And you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that that really could be something that happens this year. What if it's not? That could be the path that we're on. Yeah, you're not going to win this race with none percent, that's for sure. (laughs) But well, I, that you know that that reminds me of one of my favorite lines. I am pretty darn sure this was 1984, and Jesse Jackson was in a Democratic primary. I think it was like it was somewhere in the South, and he said, "We won South Carolina, we won Georgia, and we're going to win this next primary, and we're going to go on and win the nomination this year." And I forget who it was. Maybe it was Gary Hart. Maybe it was Walter Mondale. Somebody said, "Wait, wait, 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 Reverend Jackson, you didn't win South Carolina." undeclared got the most number of votes. You were second, but undeclared had the most number of votes. And I know you know Jesse Jackson's line, well, undeclared can't be president, so I won. So (laughs) yes, you, you are right. From the Jesse Jackson school of polling, neither undeclared nor none percent can win you the nomination. Sorry, sorry to go off there, but you just... No, it's a great story. The issue for these Republican candidates right now is that they need to make this debate stage. So Chris Christie, the human wrecking ball, might be a real threat to Donald Trump or to Ron DeSantis even because he started attacking DeSantis as well. But will he make the debate stage? You need to get at least 1% of the vote in multiple national polls as chosen by the Republican National Committee, as well as get 40,000 donors. I'm not sure that Chris Christie's in a position right now where he's going to get either of those at this point, though I could see Democrats start contributing to Chris Christie's campaign just to make the debates more fun. You know, The old Michigan get, play? Exactly. Get him over that mark. But then the other wild card right here, Chris, is that if you're Donald Trump and you're at 55, 60% of the vote and the first debate is sponsored by Fox News, which might not be your favorite network, and the second debate is held at the Ronald Reagan Library, where you've got the former publisher of the Washington Post heading up that venue, and you've got trouble, Donald Trump has suggested he might skip the first couple of debates. And if you're running at 55, 60% and all the news is about you all day, all night because of your legal problems and because you're running around attacking Joe Biden, why do you need to take part in these debates? You know, what was striking this week about Trump's legal problems is that as he went to the courthouse, we had the OJ helicopters tracking his progress, the motorcade going to the courthouse, the flashing lights, traffic stopped. All of that makes Trump look like he's president. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the image that Donald Trump wants to portray. And why would he put himself on a debate stage when on the media with the sound off, it looks like Donald Trump is still president. When he spoke at his Bedminster golf course in New Jersey after the arraignment, he's standing in front of American flags and white columns. Most Americans would just see that backdrop and think that he's still at the White House. 
And that's the image that Donald Trump is trying to put up. And so whether you're Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Tim Scott, whatever, you may not get your chance to go after Trump because he may not show up for these debates. Any other political news this week that I missed? It really was all Trump. I mean, granted, it's a big deal. You know, Jack Smith went hard after Trump in a case which is just an extraordinary case. The one thing that's striking to me just about Trump's legal jeopardy is that when you listen to the Republicans, whether they're in the House of Representatives or whether they're some of his potential rivals for the Republican nomination, the ones who are defending him, they don't defend him on the substance of the charges against him. It seems like these charges are airtight, and it seems like Donald Trump is in real legal trouble. There was an interesting analysis done by the Pew Research Center that showed that only 0.4% of those facing federal criminal charges last year were acquitted. 0.4%. Now, granted, Trump is probably not looking for an acquittal. He's probably the best case he can get is a hung jury of some sort. But those are the odds against him. I know Trump ran casinos. He probably knows something about odds. These aren't good odds. No, those are not good odds. And you're right. We all see it. It seems to be that the play is hung jury, although the primary play, and speaking of odds, is to become president again. And right now, the odds are in his favor on the Republican nomination side. And boy, in a general election, who knows? Can't win if you don't play. And he's definitely playing. You know, I know we all talk about this every four years, about this being the election of a lifetime, this being the most important election. But this really could be for all the marbles, because if Donald Trump were to win this election, what he's promising, the retribution that he's promising, his desire, his stated aim, which is to take over the Justice Department, to take over the FBI, fire civil servants, and to use law enforcement against his political enemies, that's what he said. If he wins, we are in a new world in this country, an an entirely new world. And Joe Biden obviously will use that to try to energize his support to try to prevent Trump from winning again. But then you've got the wild cards. You know, Donald Trump just celebrated his 77th birthday. Joe Biden is 80 years old at this point. These are two very old men and they could have health problems. They could have any number of things happen over this. This is going to be a wild ride. Let me just say that was a lot of heavy stuff. At the end of a podcast, not really sure. You know, and with that, listeners, have a great weekend. Yeah, yeah, have a have a great weekend. I think I'm going to go back to the uh, to the odds reference. So, so we'll talk about all those things that you just raised. Those are heavy and those are serious, and we will talk about them over the coming weeks. Right now, speaking of odds, I got a text that the movers are here for my daughter's stuff. And do you know what the odds are of my being in good graces if I don't go deal with that? Yeah, I do. I I do know those odds. (laughs) Anyway, congrats to your daughter on graduation. That's awesome. Congrats to your whole family and good luck with the movers, Chris. Thank you, Anal Tegan. Talk to you soon.